0: Earth. Wait, birds and snakes, an airplane, Linny Bruce is not
1: afraid. I have a hurricane, to world, serve its own needs. Serve your own needs. Feed it up and not speak. Run, no
0: strength, Well, hi everyone. Holy shit. Been a while. Nice to see you. I'm here joined by Emily. Hello. And we have a guest today, Sneha. And I think she's muted, but the three of us are uh, joining. Hello. (laughs) Hey, what's (laughs) up? Uh, The three of us are here joining y'all to uh, get up to speed with each other in the face of the global COVID-19 pandemic. Um, And thanks again for joining us. Um, So we left you just before Super Tuesday, which uh, Joe Biden had some great uh, results that came in. And Bernie had some pretty good results, too, that came in. Unfortunately, his came in a little slower over the course of a few weeks, um, sort of making the presentation of Super Tuesday as more of a Biden victory than I think it really was, even though uh, by any count, it was certainly a great day and a victory for Joe Biden. Uh, Put him sort of ahead in delegates. Bernie's been about 300 delegates behind and has struggled to break that lock, um, at least as far as what what we've... Received In the delegate results. Again, we just had uh, the Utah results just trickle in this far after the, the elections actually took place. Uh, lots of weird discrepancies there with exit polls and numbers and a lot of confusion and a lot of candidates, of course, dropping out to consolidate be- behind uh, former Vice President Joe Biden. Who is now somehow uh, still w- with us? I don't know how. Uh, the man is definitely in a rapidly declining state of well being. He's um, definitely
2: very much alive, very much oh uh, three dimensional.
0: Yes, real human stuff. Yeah. Nothing but real human stuff from real living human
2: mm-hmm. Joe Biden. Actually, um, alive human Joe Biden. <laughs> definitely his... not a hologram from beyond the grave.
0: No. And his recent appearances have been nothing short of just, uh, I don't even know how to describe them. The man oh, has appeared in one outfit
2: scintillating.
0: <laughs> he's been appearing in snippets that have no discernible timestamp, no idea when these things were recorded, but he's just seems to be wearing the same one outfit through all these media bits that they're slowly letting out there. And, and of course, the question that's being begged and is on the tip of everyone's tongues is, "Where is Joe Biden?" That's what we see online. Some of the edgier folks, well, you know, joke that he's dead. A
2: very real rec room, which never changes.
0: Which has a podium in definitely
2: it. Definitely not green screened.
0: And <laughs> what's funny is the green screen background that they used is like sort of like a cluttered looking little den. So to imagine that giant clunky podium actually in the middle of that room, which I think is the effect yeah, they were
2: let's going talk for. Yeah, we talked about why there's even a podium in the rec room in the first place.
0: Well, because everyone has a podium in the middle of their Right, it their makes dam. very
2: much sense to have a podium in your rec room, and it's not at all because they're just reusing footage from the last time he was speaking in front of a podium. Coincidentally, he not. gets the stark white backdrop, which would be very easy to key out and replace with something.
0: For sure. Coincidentally, in that same nice little striped shirt, he's getting the uh, Tom Steyer effect where he's got like a uniform <laughs> now, like with that Guard tie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so now he's just appearing in just the one shirt. He's just the one-shirt Joe. They're going to start calling him one-shirt Joe because he's just the standard guy. that
2: blue collar, you know. Yeah. He, he's
1: trying to relate. I mean, come on here. These are happy hours for the young folks. So oh, the like happy, happy hour.
2: Like To only have one shirt that you just wear all the time.
0: <laughs> to be a, just a poor kid growing up in Delaware, working at the old country yep. club swimming pool like any other hard-working-class kid. Uh, you know, my theory, my new theory is that Corn Pop was probably organizing labor at the park. And Biden like bullied him. Biden grabbed a length. Yeah, to chain Biden was and, like, yeah,
2: for the, uh, the 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 company like thugs who yeah. would break up the union. Right.
0: he's out standing there for the for the corporate types that are like his uncles and stuff. And yeah. this young fella is out there How trying to like
2: into that pool to keep an eye on it to tell if the. The, uh, the young black kids were getting uppity and starting to. Organize.
0: Exactly why he was there. No, literally, I'm I'm sure of it. And then when Corn Pop came around to start telling the young folk, "Hey, we've got this new social club. It's called this. It's called that." Biden's like, "We're putting a little kibosh on that." Called his uncle is in the FBI, you know, or the CIA, if that was even a thing yet. I think
2: the bad boys that Corn Pop was running were actually just like the union he was organizing.
0: They were absolutely just, yeah, young labor yeah. Uh, activists Biden to, was to
2: like threaten them and intimidate them.
0: Yeah, we know, we definitely know, yeah, that this man has let a slur or two out in life. Uh, I think we can say that with some degree of confidence.
2: That's a comfortable handful, I would say, yeah.
0: So anyway, one shirt Joe has been given these little snippets of appearances, and everybody's wondering what's up with the guy. He can't complete a sentence even when he's. Doing these, uh, you know, manicured, pre-recorded bits. He's he's frantically waving the teleprompter up. They can't get the teleprompter gone. That's like elderly abuse. I mean, that's like abusing a senior. It really is. It's, definitely it's definitely not, definitely not respectful. The
2: speeches that he's giving. It's not like they're like incredible, original, thoughtful, substantive speeches that are like about anything really time sensitive or pertinent. They're just like these random grab bags of tired platitudes. Like, surely any of us should be able to give a speech full of that crap, like, without a teleprompter. You know what I mean? Like, Yes,
0: right. It like, says to people, where.
2: You know, stand together, and uh, all we have to fear is fear. You know what I mean? I can do this without a teleprompter. So the fact that he needs one just to do that kind of thing is really pretty sad.
0: They should just get Judge right in his ear with a live earpiece for backup. Yeah. This way, if the teleprompter fucks. Buddha judges right there. You got the rat mic. You know, you got yeah. a live rat feed in the your real ear. And
2: caliber of the fiber of America is uh, shit. Yeah, yeah.
0: So that's where we're at. Um, Haven't seen, three... have seen
2: his yeah. uh, his depression beard he's grown now.
0: Wait, what? Biden yeah, has I a didn't... depression
2: beard. No, um, Pete. He's he pulled a a, a oh. Beto O'Rourke or Ted Cruz. Somebody else did that. I think. Oh yeah, he's yeah to a buddy. Mom. He looks rough. Oof.
0: Can't
2: um,
1: imagine I'm really tomorrow. hoping that more news um, outlets pick up this sexual assault allegation, the recent oh, one. Geez,
2: right?
1: Yeah, because I see that Yahoo is the only
2: one that actually really picked it up. And... I, you know, I think they're like actively censoring it. I, saw, I just saw a post across my timeline before we started this where somebody was Googling her name in quotes along with different media outlets, like prominent mm-hmm. corporate media outlets. And it yeah. returns zero results for all of them. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I know I that's, really, not,
0: that's not surprising really do to me. not
2: see this picking up any traction in mainstream media. It's too explosive um, at a time when like Joe Biden's barely hanging on to this nomination, you know, so to speak, and looking really weak. I mean, it's just it's like. I feel like there's, like, a a point past which a a story is just too scandalous or too explosive. Unless, like, Fox picks it up to to go against Trump. Like, they want... I mean, has even Matt Taibbi talked about this on Twitter? Because he does a podcast with Katie Halper, and she's been talking about it on her Twitter. But, like, I, I mean, it's almost like this, like, Pizzagate curse where it's, like, if something is too salacious... Nobody will touch it because they're all afraid of being the only one who's willing to talk about it. And then they get branded this like pariah or, you know, not a serious journalist anymore. And it's really unfortunate, but.
0: Yeah. No, I haven't. Uh, I don't know what's going what's been going on on Twitter, whether or not. Um, but I definitely have seen Kate, uh, Katie's stuff and her yeah. videos and and heard the, you know, the firsthand testimony of um, the young lady.
2: Terry. What was her?
0: Tara, Tara Reed. Reed that's it, that's it, Tara Reed.
2: Yeah, I, I listened to it the other day and I, I had to kind of do it in, in bits because it was making me sick to my stomach and it's it, the thing is like the other encounters um, with Joe and various women um, whether it was um, oh god, I'm blanking on her name um, young woman, I think ran for office someone help me out here with this I can't anyway. You know, the other need a hill and no, no, no. Oh,
1: oh the other encounters have me.
2: been things that Joe could like in theory kind of explain his way out of or say, oh well, that's her opinion. My my memory of the encounter was different. I, uh, I is it Lucy? Yeah, I think is completely there's there's no way out of this one. He, his only response has to be to call her a straight up liar. You know, there's no way around it. You can't yeah. You can't say you didn't realize that you were invading someone's personal space when you were doing the unspeakable things that, you know, she claims that he did to her. So,
0: Right. Saying things like, you're nothing and stuff. That, that was what really yeah, got to me. Yeah, the... someone
2: and then saying, you're nothing to me. Yeah. Wow. That uh,
0: seems kind of par for the course for someone in that position of power and feeling that degree of entitlement for such a long career in politics. I mean, from going from not even being old enough to serve in the Senate, I believe at first to, uh, you know, being a, uh, walking fucking corpse that they're propping up into the presidency. It's, it's a long career. It spans yeah. a lot of years.
2: Yeah, <clears throat> I, I really, I, I, I wish that this would, you know, not get, um, squashed and censored, but I have a bad feeling that's exactly what's going to happen with it.
0: Yeah, I think the media. One of the most tragic outcomes of the Me Too bubble.
2: Oh, okay. Uh, Just one quick uh, update. Matt actually did retweet Katie's uh, tweet where she shared. Um, okay, that's a start. Say, but that's it. I don't see anything else about it. So, damn, yeah. what a strange.
0: Yes. Yes. I think that uh, one of the sad parts of moving away from you know Me Too being a very very prominently happening movement uh, is that we see that some of the folks who've been great crusaders for uh, the rights of survivors and of women and of you know folks in general. Um, right, are sort of picking and choosing in, insofar as I, I don't understand what is less credible about Miss Reed's account uh, than uh, Brett Kavanaugh's accusers. And yet it seems as if we're not seeing that degree of outrage in the media over these well-surfaced accusations. It's, it's very unfair two survivors of these traumatic incidents that, uh, like the ones that Ms. Reed described
2: in her account? Well, it, it just becomes painfully, embarrassingly clear how little of that was actually um, born out of a genuine concern for those women and how much of it was simply political leverage. You know, everyone loves it when a woman comes forward with accusations about a man that we all want to hate. We all want to have a reason to you know, drum out of the race, like a Brett Kavanaugh, but when it's someone that a lot of people still want to cling to this image of, of him being, you know, a beloved, um, fighter, um, for the people like, you know, blue collar, Joe Biden crickets, you know, I mean, even, even the, the woman herself, you know, said, you know, she was so shocked because she thought of him as someone to be looked up to someone who fought for women's rights, you know, which I would say is a generous, uh, summation of his character at best, but very much, um, you know, like there are, it's hard when it's a, a, a figure that's kind of beloved by a lot of people, whether we think they deserve it or not, you know? Um, yeah, yeah it's, you, you really do see, um, just, I don't know. You, you see a lot of people suddenly lose a lot of that principle and, um, ability to stick to their, their moral guns um when it's so I mean we saw some of this kind of when it was Al Franken um a couple of years ago sure you know, someone who a lot of the democrats really loved they were very angry that anyone was bringing these accusations up trying to um dismiss it and brush it away as just some like right wing you know sure. conspiracy
0: and same when Trump kind of rightly brought up the the uh history in the Clinton family of between mm-hmm. Bill and yeah. Hillary of his past sexual indiscretions and his outright abusive behavior toward his staff members, whom he was conducting affairs with and lying about and tearing his own family apart, and not to mention the life of Monica Lewinsky, which literally just became a meme. One of the very first memes in my lifetime, right. uh, well before the internet, was just the existence, the life of, the face of the caricature of Monica Lewinsky and that act. Mm-hmm. And when folks brought that up in criticism of, you know, in, in critique of Hillary's history, whether or not that's a, a fair thing to do, again, the media uh, takes the side of brushing aside what's convenient to brush aside and, and harping on what isn't. So it's, it's just it's an unfortunate treatment that we see um, where, you know, again, the, the, the prime wrong that's done is the disrespect and the disservice to actual, uh, women and folks who have endured these kind of attacks and survived them and live to be brave enough to speak up about them and yeah. tell their stories.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: well, uh, but on that note, we, uh, whew, I, you know, I don't like to talk about Joe Biden f- for too long because I get a little bit, uh, Down, but in a more positive direction, um, I would like to ask the two of you each and feel free to chip in. What do y'all think we do? How does it look taking the Sanders movement? You know, that in 2016 when it ended, I think a lot of us were thinking 2020. Now I think a lot of us are, are, you know, not thinking really, Bernie 2024. So, what do we do? And of course, Nothing is over in the words of Rambo given the 2020 primary. Don't take this the wrong way. I am in this. I'm a yeah. candidate for pledge delegate. I'm a Democrat as long as this thing runs. Um, but it, 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 as far as past 2020, whether or not Bernie is the nominee, how do we take this energy that is now existing in so many forms you know DSA and Sunrise and all these great groups that have such great in uh, vigorized young memberships how do we take that and keep it unified? Under the big party tent that has been Bernie, that has really helped keep all these groups on the same mission and on the even keel toward toward you know the victory here. Um, how do we keep it all rolling and what do we do to keep it going? Anybody, any ideas? <laughs> I'm, I'm,
2: I'm, I feel like I'm hogging the. Uh,
1: uh, no, I was gonna let you go ahead first. <laughs> no, you. <laughs> Damn it. Um yeah, I you know what? I honestly think that whatever happens at the convention, um, since Bernie's definitely not withdrawing from the race, we still need to push for a general strike. Um, and also uh, you know, uh with all the different organizations um that are elevating all the young people, like we obviously need to keep that outrage of uh that momentum going and making sure that we hold whichever leaders um accountable especially uh, specifically with biden i know the last time when hillary ran and you know, they were trying to get us to get on her side um by holding her accountable and it just didn't really work i don't know if that's going to work with biden but it's just that's something that we just need to continue to push for and it's just these policies because it's not just about bernie it's all about the platform and his entire platform
0: yeah, no, very, very, very true. Um, And I'm kind of like excited to go to the convention, but also kind of nervous about what it's going to mean and what it's going to bring, if there even is a convention. Of course, I've heard the most recent speculation is there's not going to be a convention. Uh, more, more speculation is that Joe Biden is going to cede the nomination somehow. The DNC, who, who does have one more meeting of their rules committee before the convention, uh, may either cancel it or may supplant some other folks into that position if Joe Biden, oh, big surprise, all of a sudden... They're going to get on board with the narrative that he's fucking lost his mind and isn't fit to serve. And guess what? They're going to have people ready to go in for X, Y, and Z reason. And they're going to be some real fucking abhorrent figures. Trust me. Um, I'm going to float this right now. Cuomo Clinton. Boom. Take that. Put it in your pipe. Load that in your rig and dab it. I'm doing the uh, sign
2: of the cross at the computer right now.
0: <laughs> be sure to kiss your fingertips at the end like a good Italian walking by the church. Excuse oh, me. Man. There's a
2: flag on. We're not supposed to be putting our hands in our face.
0: Ah, busted. I, I'm a bad social distancer. Did you guys see that video of Bernie yelling at his staff outside of the
1: Burlington office? Yes. <laughs> yeah,
2: yes, that's awesome. He, I <gasps> have many cute takeaways from that little clip. Like, for one thing, like, just his walk is, like, so, like... He's just such a G, like he doesn't walk like yeah. an old man at all. And then like you she, like Jane's face, she starts almost laughing right away, like, oh now you're in for it. <laughs> like, yeah. I've seen He's gonna yell at more. you. <laughs> yeah. And and he's so earnest and like such a like a grandpa, just like always looking out for people not doing what they're supposed to be and like gently correcting them. But
0: <laughs> Yeah, I and I'm and I'm serious. I mean it.
2: I'm serious.
0: I, I know I, you're young.
2: You should get on the news.
0: Young people are getting sick, too. Watch the television.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, thanks to Bernie, you know, from, like, the movement in 2016, you know, we had the birth of AOC, Ilhan, Rashida, and basically, you know, progressive leaders. And, you know, this is going to birth some more outraged young leaders that, you know, we definitely need to keep on pushing, be behind. So I'm just, you know, super excited. Like, you know, for my district in New York 5, there's Shaniat Chaudhry, um, who worked very closely with AOC, but is now um, definitely uh, pushing forward with the platform specifically in relation to the housing crisis in Queens. So that's awesome. There's there's more people besides Bernie, basically, is what I'm saying, and it's just oh, yeah. you know, Bernie's in all of us now, and all of those that he inspired, and now we just have to continue his legacy and just fight against the establishment because we knew this wasn't going to be easy.
0: Yes, and so my thing is. And that's exactly right. As someone who, after 2016, spent a lot of time organizing the New York Progressive Action Network with a ton of Bernie people, one thing I noticed, of course, was an enthusiasm curve uh, that was really, really sharply at a very high point in 2016 with Bernie and then waned down to almost nothing. Um, so while we saw folks like AOC, Ilhan, Rashida, others, uh, you know, Tiffany Caban rising up and and running and making these significant runs and, and many of them winning these historic races um, and overturning these establishment democratic types. Still the, the, the political revolution energy, the big revolution energy isn't there. The same way it is when there's a presidential race on. And that's why, and that's specifically what I mean is, of course, Bernie, you know, it's not me, us. Bernie's at the end of his career. He has awakened so many awesome people and so many brilliant people. And I'm so eternally excited for that. My question, and I'll pivot to Emily now for her portion of this, is is there a way we can make small, concrete actions to keep young people and folks interested, you know, even when there's not an election on and even when, you know, we, everybody doesn't have an AOC in their state and in their district. And like, yeah. I'm so fucking grateful that we do, but how do we make it? How do we do small baby steps to keep people into it and to, you know, to get us sort of uh, to keep the, the, the labor movement and the great solidarity movement of progressivism alive right now, Emily, yeah. what do you think?
2: And the answer is yes, you can, you, you approach it in a different way though. Um, and part of that is going to unfortunately just depend on, um, you know, how soon we hit that wall of what working people are um, capable of tolerating in their own lives, you know, you, th- these gains that we made in the past, whether it was the labor movement or, um, well, well, mostly the labor movement, I guess. But, you know, th- those things grew out of, you know, outrageous conditions that working people were forced to live under, whether it was children in factories or, um, you know, the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire, things like that, where, you know, something hit a crisis point. And working people were like, we won't tolerate this anymore. And unfortunately, that's not quite as sexy or as sparkly as kind of the glitz and the um, kind of manufactured, marketed excitement around a major presidential campaign. But it can be done. And um, so just like one example that I got to kind of um, experience was um, my partner who lives here in Kalamazoo ran for city commissioner last fall. And I came up here to... um, uh, help them with their campaign, and um, it was a very competitive election. It was really packed. Actually, there were a lot of candidates that were kind of overlapping a little bit, so it was a little bit of a tricky field to work in. But the one really interesting thing was that, um, and this is a you know a relatively small town in the Midwest, um, and the the campaign was a an, unap- an very unapologetically uh, socialist, very revolutionary campaign. Um, you know, housing for all, housing rights, working rights. Um, fighting back against capitalism, um, taking back uh, municipal government from some kind of well, very wealthy interests that are kind of trying to encroach on that kind of thing here. And even though we didn't win, the response to that was very encouraging. Yeah. People basically saying, are you talking about like a real revolution? And we were like, yes. And they're like, yeah, yes, I'm interested in that. How do we do that? Um, cause I think working people across this country are hitting kind of that point of saying we can't survive anymore. And this, you know, obviously this whole COVID-19 thing is throwing that into Absolutely. an especially focused light where people are saying, hold up, I can't work. I can't pay my rent. I can't feed my kids. I don't even know what to do with my kids because I can't afford childcare and they can't be in school. And there are low-income kids who don't even have access to meals anymore because they were depending on the school system for that. And- you know, we're, we're, we're hitting a wall, I think, where we realize how unsustainable capitalism really is. So what do we do with that? Well, we organize the working class. And that has yeah. been basically one of Bernie's biggest strengths, one of the, the biggest things he's brought in all of this. It hasn't been his own individual candidacy, of course, but it's been in his role as organizer-in-chief, reacquainting the American people with their organizing roots, with the, the, the things that we used to understand how to do that we kind of have lost Um, as kind of capitalism and consumer culture have, you know, stressed um, just kind of individualism over community. And, you know, we've kind of lost touch with our roots, but, you know, we did at one point have a labor movement in this country. Um, We did used to be able to understand how to band together and fight back um, against uh, corporate power and um, the wealthy when living conditions became intolerable. That's how we have, that's why we have the weekend. It's why we have the um, the five day work week, it's, I, ju- I guess I just restated that, you know, it's why we have a, an eight hour work day. It's why we don't have children in factories anymore. Um, and we can, you know, harness that energy again. Um, but it is going to take a lot of, you know, very unsexy boots on the ground, um, real work. We're going to have to, um, you know, really, uh, buckle down and, and lean into our roles as community organizers, and kind of do what Bernie's doing, but on a small scale in our own communities where we know the people there and where we know the kinds of challenges that we're facing. So, like, one thing I'm doing at the moment is I'm helping out um, organize a rent strike here. Um, oh, wow. April 1st is coming up, and a lot of people are just not going to have that rent payment. And so, we are trying to um, raise awareness about this and get people to kind of stand together and say, here are, you know, here's what we want to negotiate for. And, um, kind of see where, where we go with that. But, you know, as Snay was saying, you know, a general strike as well. This is, I think the, 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 the wealthy, um, in this country, the elite are kind of really, I think they just got a big wake up call when they realized how much of the most essential building blocks of this country, the things that keep the society that we're used to running are these, you know, labor jobs that we're, we're now calling essential, you know, um, And how much power is there if those workers should one day talk to each other and decide, you know what, if we're so essential, how about we have some power at the table, you know?
0: Absolutely. And they they most definitely should. Um, And I mean... (laughs) One thing that's funny is as you say the words general strike, I can't help but think about the news from today. Fran Drescher calling for the general strike, I television's that. the nanny. Uh, and of course, yesterday and the day before, we, you know, Brittany Spears has Comrade owned Spears. Comrade Spears has owned leftist internet uh, with her outspokenness for a general strike. What's going on? Neat stuff. Neat
2: fascinating
0: stuff. stuff, as Johnny Carson would say. Um, <laughs> So yeah, uh, that's that was Emily. Thanks so much for detailing that. And, and my brain was racing when you were describing everybody organizing their communities, because that, of course, is the goal. Uh, yourself out in Michigan, myself upstate New York, Sneha lives downstate uh, in, the, in Queens. Um, even when we do all organize, and this is sort of what uh, Nypen strove to do right after 2016 was to build a statewide network of community-based grassroots coalitions who, while Working independently and organizing independently and endorsing independently and working electorally and in in a movement sense independently would have an umbrella, a statewide umbrella, and a symbol and and a, a a power that only comes with you know the the coalescence of so many groups into sort of one umbrella. My question is: Is DSA the vehicle? What's the what's the national? Vehicle, and I know it, we don't need a national vehicle, and we don't need an extremely marketed president presence. Yeah. But of course, my brain loves these things. I would love for us to have a symbol. I'd I love know. for us to have a red vest, or, or excuse say, me, a yellow I, vest. We don't or, think
2: we are going to have a national vehicle. I don't know that. I just yeah. don't know that that fits anymore as a model that's really relevant to the state of this country. We're too different. Um, not in terms of, you know, our, our aims and our goals or the fact that we're human, but, you know, just this the specific nature of the challenges that we face vary so much geographically, demographically. Um, and I think at the end of the day, this has to be from the bottom up, as Bernie's always saying, not from the top down. And I think where you see these movements tend to kind of fracture and splinter um, or become, you know, completely bogged down and just... Crippled by these like fights in management or you know personality drama and stuff. It always tends to happen when the leadership is is badly out of touch um, with what's actually going on on the ground. And these and these kinds of efforts usually work so much better in my experience when they are very much led by the people on the ground in these communities that that know the communities well. Um, So I guess the question would be, you know, what is I don't know. I don't have all the answers for sure. I'm just spitballing here.
0: Yeah. Like, no, of course, you know, of course. I don't.
2: I don't. I think something like that would have to kind of grow organically out of, um, and 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 definitely on the foundation of strong uh, community or organizing. Um, it's for not sure. something that can be handed down from some sort of um, national. Or no. Like, yeah. DSA went- doesn't do excellent work. They do. Um, when I lived in Austin, you know, I was constantly seeing um, Austin DSA doing some really good work there. Um, And I think as long as it's relatively decentralized and, you know, and and, you know, for another example, you know, stuff always goes wrong when, like, say, a bunch of activists maybe come into a town like Philly or Milwaukee or something like that, and they don't coordinate with the groups that are already there who already oh, yeah. know the city, you know, and they, you know, got to
0: check in with the gangs you gotta, in town, you gotta, you'll and you get
2: gotta be willing to feed that leadership to the people that know the area best, who know, the people best. And so much sure. it doesn't happen when, you know, one, one big national org wants to kind of call the shots. So, I mean, is there a role for that? Probably. Um, I think at some point, but I, I don't know that that should necessarily be the focus.
0: Yeah. And I and I just to be clear before we potentially shift gears, I certainly don't mean a national thing to guide, steer, or lead. I mean more like a battle flag for all these independents to fly. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be even a cohesive plan that's that's agreed on or an organization, but Something like the yellow vest, just something ubiquitous that every worker understands and that every worker, I'm just so obsessed with the symbols and the symbolism Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, uh, of a a symbolic and a literal battle flag of some visual thing to bring all the workers together, Um, you know, the traditional fist icon in the air is, has yeah. been a traditional symbol, things like that. And the ubiquitous, the yellow, high visibility, yellow vest, uh, movement in France and other parts of the European union, Why? just something like that. Of course. Cause as you say, you know, it's gotta be a local thing. There's never going to be, it's never going to be a top down organized organizing. It's always going to be bottom up if it's going to have any kind of power. Um, but my thought is eventually, getting all those little groups to fly at least a similar flag. Um, so there's some, some, you know, like a big national union of, sure. of workers uh, to do what unions do and to scare the shit out of the bosses. And in yeah. this case, that being the federal government. Um, so, you know, just, uh, just thoughts. And of course, I think we all have these thoughts and yeah, aspirations. Yeah, but now as we daydream in the late, uh, in the sunset of the 2020 primary here, Just something that, you know, comes to to the forefront. So thank you both for your uh, perspectives. Um,
1: I do have something to add to that, though.
0: Oh, please, please chime in at any time. Yeah, I
1: I mean, the thing with Bernie is like, you you know, despite whatever happens and if, you know, he does lose and I'm just saying if because I just want to have a little bit of hope left in me um, if he does lose and, you know, he's not going to quit. And after, what, 2016, our revolution came through. Sanders Institute came through. Mm -hmm. So he's just – he's going to continue doing what he does, and he's going to still continue to spearhead this revolution. Because obviously the revolution does not end when that convention decides who is the Democratic nominee. So uh, I foresee that – Bernie and maybe Jane, maybe Jane's going to spearhead this instead. You know, considering a lot of the issues with our revolution, but um, I, I do foresee that they're going to continue, and they will be definitely spearheading the uh, the movement continuously. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: agreed. Um, our On revolution. That, no, we'll... Oh, go ahead. Go go ahead. No, please, Emily. Go ahead. I, no,
2: no, no. Go ahead, because you were kind to talk about our revolution. And I was kind of. I was just just going to say that you know that
0: while they were definitely a thing. Uh, I feel like they kind of just were whack, like they just were endorsing like safe bet candidates, like working families They are basically echoing working families in New York. At least it was frustrating having work for progressive candidates who would get like local endorsements of progressive groups. And then our revolution would kind of pass on them. And I mean, we all know our revolution was just kind of like asleep at the wheel for a couple of years there. There really wasn't anything going on, but at a very occasional email with a fundraising ask and a lot of Bernie heads were just plugged in and just giving them 20 bucks every year something. Yeah. But yeah, but like you said what I thought was great uh, was Jane taking the lead on some of this stuff is a great thought. I mean, she's such an inspiring leader and and has done such an impressive amount of work in her career uh, as well as the work she's done with Bernie in his roles in politics. So, yeah, lots of great things I think will spin off of this and yeah, and we'll we'll keep it rocking. Um, yeah. but definitely Emily, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to uh, please oh, no, go you're ahead fine. with what you we were going to say.
2: Um well, no, well, just what Snape was saying about how Bernie, you know, um, he's not going to quit. Like, can we just have a round of applause for the absolute KO that man just, I mean, the way he completely dismantled the Republicans who were trying to, you know, do this yeah. bullshit deal and Bernie just absolutely flamed the shit. Look, I don't their- tolerate bullshit terribly well. <laughs> And and, and and won a really, really solid victory for working people. Probably literally saved so many lives. Um, and just, it's it's so, I mean, you know, because I think a lot of us kind of had to make this adjustment last time in 2016 where we like, well, we're sad that we lost, but consolation prize, you know, of course the revolution will continue. But it, it felt kind of lame. It felt like we were just kind of like, Oh well, maybe the real nomination was the friends we made along the way, or something. You right. know what I mean? Um, but honestly, especially with the way this virus thing has kind of hijacked um, the timeline of the of uh, this election, what I think has been really encouraging, and the reason like I'm not depressed at all about this is like I think it really became very obvious between that and between the way Bernie just like assumed leadership in such a boss way is like. It really doesn't matter at the end of the day. They can say whatever the fuck they want about, you know, who's the nominee or who's the president. And it's really become obvious, like, what a shoddy, you know, meaningless designation that is at the end of the day. We all know who's the actual leader of the people here. And not having the nomination is not stopping Bernie Sanders one bit from being exactly what we need him to be. And that has always been what he's done. He's always been the leader the people needed, regardless of what role he's filled officially. And he's just kept right on doing that without stopping in such an incredible way. Um, so that's, you know.
1: I can't remember which article that called him basically the shadow president.
2: Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 uh-huh.
1: it up. yeah.
2: I mean, it really, and in a way that's almost kind of fitting, you know, because who is he, you know, always kind of resonated with and, and looked up to throughout his life. You know, it's, it's been leaders of revolutions, of people's movements of, you know, you know, you, when, when you see him, I know he caught shit for this recently, because some people are really ignorant, but, um, you know, him standing with the Sandinistas, um, and, you know, back before the rest of the country got the memo that the Contras were terrible, you know, and like, you know what I mean? Like, Bernie's always known the right place to stand um, when it's come to something like that. And in this case, you know, he is standing with the people fighting for the people leading the people, regardless of what, you know, the shitty party or the this shitty country's stupid nomination contest says. Um, and history is going to recognize that. And that's just like, just look at him go. Like he's, he de- you know, he hasn't slowed down for a second. He's continued to do his live streams constantly. He's continued to address this crisis and just like step right into the role of what we need him to be um, and realize that this is higher priority than his campaign. Um and is just, you know, in every way being the leader that this country needs right now and, and just, you know, scored an incredible victory um, for, for working people down to the people that usually get ignored. Uh, gig workers, workers who work for tips, you know, like I, I, I didn't really expect anything less of him, but like just the way he's continued to be a complete boss, you know, in, uh, in spite yeah. of all of the, the fuckery. Is just like really encouraging to me. Like, you know what? We didn't lose anything, you know, even if we lose this contest, which again is not a done deal, but like, you know, yeah, yeah, he's not going to stop. We're not going to stop. We're going to keep on fighting for, you know, ultimate justice regardless. And the, the party it is fuck itself.
0: absolutely unbelievable to me. The fact that he has had so much fuckery thrown around. I mean, all of these. Tool candidates dropping out and supporting the ultimate toolbox. Yeah. And and he and he goes from leading every poll to being narrowly beaten by someone who is just a a literal walking fucking dead body. A joke. <laughs> and he can the guy can't even complete a sentence even that with a teleprompter. Great. And yet here is Bernie. I mean, not even for two days does he take and just sit in a room and scream in a pillow or something. Oh he no! Is just out the there
2: is totally foreign to him. He couldn't stop himself working for the people if he tried. And I'm sure Jane has tried. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm sure she regularly tries to get him to take some time and relax and and. And, uh, but you know, it just, he somehow just keeps going and his, uh, willingness to do so has inspired me since I very start, very first started following him and continues to more so even now as the bullshit pile that rests on his shoulders, just more and more and more every day.
2: Uh Uh-huh. He just Um, gets right back up and powers on. And that's immensely inspiring to me personally, and I know to the nation and, you know, it's, I think that's what happens when you decide very early on in life, as it seems like he must have, you know, what's truly important at the end of the day, where your priorities are and what is non-negotiable. And I don't think, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's constitutionally capable of not continuing to fight for justice for, for ordinary people. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think as you you mentioned, this uh, COVID-19 pandemic has seriously brought so many issues to the forefront that Bernie has argued so passionately for for so many years. And it's sort of, uh, you know, I I would never insinuate that the pandemic is a good thing. I would never do that. But I think it is bringing a lot of issues to the forefront of a lot of Americans' uh, attention that hadn't been there previously that are very pressing issues. The mm-hmm. the issues of climate change and potentially having climate refugees uh, in addition to having hospital refugee, refugees right now, as, as certain cities like New York are reporting that their projections already put them over thresholds. And yeah. the Javits Convention Center, which was where Hillary was to have her victory party in 2016, and, and there are conventions held there, is now a space for hospital beds to treat victims of this pandemic. It's mm-hmm. all very real, and it's all very uh, very fucking fucked up, for lack of better terms, that we're in a place where this corporate uh, plutocracy and this military industrial complex and their sick marriage have just driven this country into into shambles to the point where no one is prepared to deal with something like a pandemic, which is just a-
2: It really is throwing, again, Like so much about this is throwing into light the truth of what we've been saying this whole time. This is not the greatest country in the world. You know, there are small nations in East Asia that no one is talking about that contained and dealt with this virus with, you know, a fraction of the assets and resources that we have. This isn't, you know, our healthcare system does not compare to that of other nations. Our preparedness in general, our ability to mobilize and deal with a crisis in a timely manner, all of it. We are just laughably behind the rest of the developed world in so yeah. many ways and yeah. yeah and because why because where do we what do we devote our resources to war keeping the military industrial complex fat and happy you know um supporting our, our our billionaires who are going through a very trying time right now and need reassurance in the form of trillions of dollars constantly dumped into the stock market
0: god save the billionaires
2: god save the billionaires what would we do without our billionaires? Perish. Yeah. Now, the universe uh, would truly collapse, as Bernie warned us all the other day. <laughs> I think now the U.S. is leading uh, the
1: world in confirmed coronavirus cases. So we are definitely now back on top. Power.
2: Yep. Oh, we, go. we are number one in uh, yet another. Amazing Once again, place. number all one right. in gun violence, number one in prison population, number one in uh, uh, confirmed cases of a runaway plague. Awesome. We
0: got the bug.
2: We've got we it. got it
0: all. All right, quick. right, uh, let's do a quick game that I just thought of right now. We're going to run through some of the retired uh, presidential candidates in the primary here, and we're going to each talk about if they were to lose their current job, whatever it is, and most of them are politicians, <laughs> what would be a good job for them to get into? What's a good oh line God. of work for them? We're going to start with Pete Buttigieg. Oh, and I'm gonna say that I think he Pete. mean make...
2: he's not mayor anymore. What? So
0: So here we can tweet this Adam. Um, I think I would like to see Pete working at a nice amusement park. Um, possibly possibly serving someone some kind of futuristic dessert, like a dip in dots or something that uh, is really sweet and delicious, but takes a little explaining. And okay, I think Pete would be out. just but the guy. What
2: if the amusement park had a rat character and he had to be in the mascot suit for that character?
0: This is all, that is all has to be part of it as part yeah, of my yeah. official, my official submission That has to be, it has to be like, uh, you know, like, a uh, not Rudy Chucky the cheese rat
2: but, or something like Yeah. Rudy that. the rat. Something yeah. just
0: easy. And the specialty is the, you know, the cheese flavored Dippin' Dots ice cream or something. And Pete oh is God. the voice of that brand. All right. Emily, what would Pete be good at?
2: Oh shit! Um, mm, I put too much energy into that. What about
0: what about Liz Warren?
2: Oh, Liz Warren, Jesus! Um, What's Liz
0: Warren's secret career she's about to break into that she's going to? Liz Warren
2: has to be like she has to be in charge of organizing like the church potluck or something like that.
0: Okay, for like one specific church.
2: Yeah, she has to be in charge of like all those little, like little churchy activities.
0: Okay, cool. I can see that. Sneha, let's it's let's like go to you.
2: Career, all right, uh, for Pete
1: Budaj has to be a wine expert at that same wine cave. That oh they my god! Fucking charity at the Somalia. Yes, exactly. So he talks like one too,
2: and right I think like, he you knows his
1: fucking Cabernets and his uh, you know Grigio. So might as well sure. fucking let him indulge in that shit. Um, Liz Warren, definitely a dog groomer,
2: because wow. oh, that's really on the nose.
0: That's a winner. Yeah, that's that's a definitely win. a winner. Um, yeah, wow, I like both of those. Um, what about Tulsi? What about that? What about turncoat Tulsi? Um, horse horse chick? Horse you uh, guys
2: seem like a horse chick. Like I don't, what's- know, I don't know why, but
0: a farrier is that the person that does the, f- the shoes?
2: Yeah, that is the person who does the shoes. I see. No, I feel. I feel like she's more like a maybe like Surfer. a trainer or something. She definitely surfs.
0: She surfs, but on the side. What's her main gig? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe maybe a trainer. She does do all those fitness training videos.
2: Yeah, I could see her in jodhpurs, like strutting around a paddock. Yeah. I would love to see her
1: hired as security for HRC and then secretly uh, beat the shit out of her and make <laughs> oh. us all happy.
0: Okay. At first, I thought you meant Human Rights Coalition. And then I- <laughs> <laughs> no. How are you going to beat her? Beat Who's her? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. You
2: could just go ask uh, a Russian agent since HRC thinks she is one anyway. Speaking
0: right. of her, our good friend, what would she be good at if she never found her calling in college after she was the president of the college Republicans uh, and went on to a wonderful career in moderate leftist politics? I want to say
1: this, fucking figure skater.
0: Wow. <laughs> she would totally have been the Tanya Harding clubbing,
1: yeah, oh my God.
0: <laughs> clubbing at the knees. Her whole existence oh my is, God. is the clubbing at the knees. I watched the Hillary Clinton sp- uh, documentary called Hillary you watched
2: that you made it all the way four
0: four times. I've watched it. I started a fifth oh my time.
2: God, Steven, what did you do that you were punishing yourself? Is was this like some sort oh, of I just
0: love it. I just Catholic enjoy it.
2: Catholic tradition, like Lent, but it's like you punish yourself. But...
0: Yeah, it's just my whole life is that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I've been doing a lot lately. I started to watch Good. it a fifth time with a friend, and the friend couldn't even get through the, the first viewing. Which I don't. I don't blame people I couldn't for even that. Get
2: through commercial.
0: It's really bad. You have to laugh. You have to kind of laugh at it like a crazy person. The same way I'm laughing
2: well, at this yeah, whole I can't COVID even, thing. I can't even. I, I'm not. I can do that with some things. She just makes me want to. She just fills me with this like impotent rage that there's there's no healthy outlet for. So it just kind of sits yeah. there and I just marinate in it and it's not good. I'm trying to sure. practice self-care right now, Stephen.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. I just will say the reason I brought it up is because it I became aware of two things very poignantly. One, it is quite a lot of pain that she went through through the bill cheating. That had to be crazy. Two, she made it her big personal platform that she was going to pass universal health care when bill was president, this was going to be her big plot to catapult herself to stardom and political relevance was she fought, fought, fought for universal health care. That's why we have that famous piece of video of Bernie standing behind her where, when she said four years oh, ago, where were you Bernie? And it, it's like, know, but, he but was but literally right there.
2: No. And I don't know if the documentary went into this because I haven't watched it. That even then, See, Bernie was already bringing in his panels of Canadian doctors and physicians, and he was all excited when he heard when that you know got wind of what that she was gonna try and do that, or at least he thought so. And when he brought her all of his proposals and his data and everything, it was like, "All right, let's do this. Let's do, we can we can do this." She basically kind of dumped cold water on him and was like, "Well, this isn't realistic. I don't really, like. No, I'm not talking sure about single payer. Like, nah. You know, come back when you've yeah. got something like realistic." And. No that just pissed me off because it's like, you know what, if you married a big name like Hillary Clinton to, you know, like the kind of ceaseless work and data gathering and stuff that Bernie brought to the table, like, who knows, we might have, you know, if she'd had the courage to really be a leader instead of just wanting to like notch something impressive on her belt. Um, who knows, we might have we might have healthcare by now, or it might, you know, it might not have taken this long to, to make single pair healthcare. Um, you know, a major issue that's on the table that enjoys popular support. So yeah. you can go fuck yourself as far as I'm concerned. And, and well, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm talking like this now because realistically I doubt I'm going to be <laughs> working back.
0: The- on the team. Yeah, I don't think there's gonna be any rallies coming up. The motorcade yeah. is at rest. Uh which sucks, which really, really sucks. But it's yeah. great that you now have a you have a pretty good uh it pretty good a, reference to a throw a really on for your fun next
2: month. It was a very crazy, fun, interesting month and it looks good on a resume, and um, those those two paychecks are definitely um, very helpful right now, yes. looking at a very uncertain <laughs> future.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. Um, so, but, but Clinton did not in the documentary discuss any contention with Sanders. In fact, didn't associate him with the Medicare for all things, strangely, just kind of said it was her thing. And then it failed. And she thought, man, and here's the thing, here's the classic deflection of Hillary. Nothing is my fault. She thought, well, the country isn't ready for it. You know, they're just, it'll just never happen here. It'll just never happen here. And then she kind of just says that. And I'm like, oh my God, it's so clear to me. She tried something, failed. Years yeah, later no, tried to sort of get it. a kickstart back at it and another well, person had a more popular take and a more popular and she thought, well, you know what? Fuck that. Course. If I can't have nice things, no one will. If of I course. can't get what I want, no one gets it. That's I mean what, what a it fucking, has been, is total sycophant. Like I just, wasn't
2: able to do it. And as long as I can chalk up that failure to it just wasn't possible, then I don't have to be a failure. But if someone else comes along and does better with it. Then I look weak and I look like, right. you know, I didn't. And that's and you can you could feel that resentment bubbling up the whole time she and Bernie were running against each other because you have we, to I mean,
0: watch the film.
2: Look, yeah, I mean, if the you, difference I, between the two of them, her saying this isn't realistic for the country right now. And Bernie's never backed down from something for that reason. He said, well, if the country's not ready for it, let's get the country ready for it. Let's be a leader. Let's be the one pushing the Overton window. You know, let's be the one educating sure. people and and giving them information they didn't have and letting them know a better world is possible, you know, whether or not they think it is right now or not. And that's why he's managed to shift the conversation so far in such a short sure. amount of time. Yep. That's what leaders do, Hillary.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, again, I do recommend everybody watch it because if nothing else, you get to watch the just sliminess that is her behavior. And if you had suspicions and, and they were pretty well confirmed that you didn't like the way she operates and the way her team is and, and everything, just Oh, watch I don't it. have
2: suspicions. I have certain Right.
0: Well, the this will... Fucking galvanize the shit out of whatever you're feeling. Trust me, like it's oof, you just really get a nice peek inside that is often kept from I the cameras.
2: If I hadn't been arrested while essentially conducting a, a people's trial of Hillary Clinton, maybe I wouldn't feel this way about it, but
0: <laughs> okay. Well, sure, I understand. it's 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 triggering for sure it's for many triggering, reasons. Serious. For a lot of people <laughs> for sure. No, I understand. Okay, no, one like more. I
2: should, like I should, you know, we were, we were sitting on the couch watching some dumb, like probably Letter Kenny or something the other day. Um, my partner and I. And, and, and when that commercial for the thing comes on, Hillary's face pops up, and we both just let out this noise and like flipped off the TV. It's of like an <laughs> instinctive like reaction at ah!
1: time.
0: <laughs> Not today, Satan. Yeah. Not no, today, I totally... Satan. So, so one more fantasy occupation, uh, let's say Joe Biden never got into politics. What would young Joe who looks just like a nice young Jim Halpert, what would he do? I mean,
2: drives an ice cream truck.
0: Oh, there oh, it is. my
2: God. I was thinking the same thing. Oh my God. Okay. You guys. He loves ice cream.
0: He does. He sure loved didn't he, drives he just around
2: low-income neighborhood giving out ice cream.
0: He just went on a tirade about it at, at his uh, happy hour that he did the other day about his ice cream and his grandma and the smell of the ice cream and how he smelled like ice cream, and everybody always knew it was him because he smelled Great. like ice cream. Such a fucking weird creep. Um, wow. Yeah, so <laughs> I guess it's the – The universe has spoken ice cream, man, Joe Biden. If you ever find a time machine and you want to just stay out of the spotlight for a little while, I highly recommend ice cream, man. It's your calling. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody else in the field that might have an interesting career? I've thought of all the people I I don't Um, really know at this point.
2: (laughs) What what would Beto O'Rourke be?
0: Uh, Cool substitute teacher.
1: Bartender. He just, oh, he's I, the kind of guy who would just stand on the bars too, right after and okay. do the priority, ugly kind of fucking dance. So. <laughs> yep. Bartender is like I studying up both
2: right. of those things. I could see him being the substitute teacher because he has that thing that like some men have when they, they don't really mature properly. So they like, they, they want to like hang around college long after they should have been <laughs> like, younger kids and feel like they're still young for that reason. So yeah. I yeah, that.
0: totally. That sounds reasonable. Um, yeah, Beto, gosh, he almost had that life. He was almost a rock star, but then he goes to, <laughs> to go the other way and be a total, total political hack. Um, I just saw the meme that I've made about a year ago of, of my, uh, my rapid shift in approval for Beto. Cause when he was running against Cruz and I saw stuff where he's skateboarding around and stuff, I'm like, this guy's all right. And then the moment that he said he would run against Bernie in a primary, I was just like, ah, fuck you, throwing him into the fire. I'm terrible. I'm very, very loyal, like to a massive fault. Um, but I think it pays dividends in this world because, frankly, as you brilliantly put it in a post recently, Emily, I'm not hearing too much sounding off about everyone who was so insistent on their Warren, 4D chess, and this is all going to pay off, and this is going to be what we need at the convention.
2: We're all on and the same side. It's for progressives side. to have multiple progressives splitting the progressive vote for some reason. Keep donating yeah. to five people.
0: Yeah, more progressive voices on the stage. My whole thing was one of them's not. Sorry. Uh, but anyway, we won't continue to rehash the past too much. Um, instead we're trying to think about the future, which we hope will be very bright once the COVID pandemic, uh, hopefully we flatten this curve and we can all get to somewhat of a sense of normalcy, whatever that will be when this all, um, ends. Mm -hmm. Uh, personally, I've been doing a lot of gardening and work around the house. What have y'all been doing, uh, to pass the time and to, and I know Emily, you've been organizing tenants, which is rad as hell, even though you probably had to cut down a lot with the uh, social distancing regulations. But what's everybody been doing around the, around the house or whatever to kind of stay busy? Anybody doing anything fun or interesting? Reading anything good? What's, what's going on friends before we sign off?
2: Cooking, actually. What you cooking? A lot of cooking, which is kind of, it's like after doing all of this shit for so long, it's actually been kind of nice cuz I I used to cook more um a while ago. I mean, I used to do that for a living. I've, I've worked in kitchens and bakeries before, yeah. but, and then just, you know, but like I don't really like doing that for a living cuz it gets boring as hell and kitchens are very stressful, toxic places to work. But the skill set yeah. is nice to have to pull out from time to time and I like cooking when it's you know, on a small scale for a few people that I like and I get to be a little bit creative and it's just like something kind of relaxing and therapeutic. You know, you can throw a podcast on, listen to your headphones, cook something. And, and I haven't gotten to do that in a while. So that's kind of nice for a change. And I am living in a house with a bunch of people now. So it's kind of, it's fun. Um, People will get in there and cook sometimes and usually share what they've made with everybody and, Geez, I made some coffee profiteroles the other day. Those went over well. Whoa. Um, yeah, but I, I busted out the, the pastry skill set, flexed a little. Damn,
0: bit. dude.
2: Um, yeah, but uh, but just curries, you know, just like comfort food kind of because we're all kind of stuck and slightly going insane. And, uh, sure, sure. trying like, you know, vary it up a little bit and make some stuff that's a little bit of a treat maybe just to break up the monotony. And- and not, and, and not order out constantly because, you know, gotta, gotta save money now. Cause who knows what's happening, but
0: for real. Yeah. I'm yeah. here. Yeah. Works massively cut back for me cause I work in the tech sector and I do a lot of work for businesses. So as more and more businesses shutter, it's more and more computers that aren't breaking down security cameras that aren't needing to be replaced servers that aren't malfunctioning and so forth. And my, uh, my service tickets and my new construction projects in my, in my uh, low voltage cabling firm are like non-existent. And uh, I luckily do have some work with the political clients that I have because c- political campaigns are continuing onward. Um, you know, local campaigns, statewide campaigns, things like this are, of course, by and large, still going on. Uh, there's a primary coming up. Scheduled primary in New York is just a month and two days away. Whether that actually happens is much like the National Convention of the Democrats at this point remains to be seen sure. with the looming pandemic. Um But that's cool, Emily. I wish I could. uh, I wish that we had some kind of Star Trek replicator technology and you could like beam me some of those delicious curries to sample Mm because that would be fucking lit. Uh, Sneha, what about you? What are you doing?
1: Um, Well, I'm one of the very few privileged people in this country right now that still has a job and I have the uh, the ability to work from home. So, because I work in fundraising and fundraising for a bunch of nonprofits uh, that currently help the elderly we're bringing in a lot of money um, you know, since the government's really not doing much for anyone who's dealing with the COVID-19 virus. So uh, one of my clients, for example, is uh, meals on wheels and uh, these guys are working um, around the clock to get food delivered to ev- all the affected elderly, at least within the greater Manhattan area. Um, yeah. But besides putting in at least about like eight to 10 hours to that, I am still working on my painting of bernie sanders and nice. uh i think that it's just one of those things where um it's just going to be a cathartic moment for me um regardless of whatever happens um because at the end of the day i mean we all see him as our president mm-hmm. and he's going to be our president at our heart no matter what yeah
0: agreed uh I can't life wait changing it when it's done yeah, me too. Can't wait to see the painting.
1: Yeah, for sure. Everyone's going to see it.
0: Awesome. Can't wait to. Yeah, I did a, little, did a little drawing of Bernie. I plan to do another one, like a bigger one of him, uh, at some point in the pretty near future. I'm going to get my pencils out and do a little drawing because when Emily was talking about uh, the cathartic act of getting into the zone and cooking with the headphones, I totally do that when I cook. And I also do that with music. When I draw, I get into the absolute zone. And it takes me back to the time when I was a kid and I would listen to music for the sake of itself. I would just sit or lay down and just put headphones on or just listen to music just for its own sake when there wasn't so much uh, going on in life, so to speak. And it reminds me of that when I'm able to zone out in an activity like cooking or drawing and uh, or designing a flyer or something, just something that I'm zoned out and I can just put on music and really kind of get into it subconsciously. It's really awesome.
1: And you know what? I think. I think I hope like in the future because of like all the stuff that we've been creating within this movement. And I know like Emily, you have those, those uh, famous um, earrings that you've crafted that uh, (laughs) pretty much everybody wears, but it's just like all this stuff that we've created, I hope just comes all together, you know, within maybe, you know, probably as, the revolution museum or something just in a yeah. central location just where everyone can see all the hard work and all the artwork and all the creativity that we put in into this movement
2: right have you been to the the, the coffee
1: shop stay i have place? oh my god yes and uh what sucks is you know they actually had a recent break in but uh jeremy white oh god, really? um, who, yeah they had a, oh. I, I think some um really recent? yeah it yeah was, they uh, somebody
0: it was like a week ago or something somebody threw like something through the window and bro- oh broke the window God. i saw yeah. jeremy post about it
1: yeah so jeremy white you know known uh, california activist he created a bernie piano and like painted this entire you know piano yeah, in the really bernie nice. colors and it was very beautiful and uh yeah i mean the the kind of operation that they have running in bernie coffee shop is like frankly like one of best things I've ever seen um, just because they just bring in a lot of young people to plant things on the outside to really do like all the chores and like fixing everything within the coffee shop because it, it is a really old coffee shop that they decided to rent it out to these activists um, at least the landlord did um, but yeah and uh, of course you know, they're they're running their uh, their entire uh, canvassing operation out of that location as well mm-hmm. so um
2: it's a very it's a really great spot to visit at least once in your life because it's just such a joy to see it it really is I got to go for the first time um recently when um we had the the big rally out in LA where public enemy opened um oh my god you went oh I was in the motorcade (laughs) oh yeah I actually didn't get to go which is the annoying thing but um but it was yeah it was a big deal but while I was there um because for some, I'd been back to LA since I was a kid, actually. Um, but uh, Jeremy had told me because um, he he came out to help um, knock doors in Iowa. We were like we were a team for like a, a few days out there and um, got to know each other and uh, had a really fun time um, doing that. And he was like, "You've got to come to the coffee shop." or I'm go- I'm reopening it as soon as I head back. So when I found out I was going to LA, I was like, "Oh my god, I got to go to the coffee shop." So I got to go um look around it was every bit as cool as I had envisioned and I got a t-shirt um awesome so yeah but uh yeah we uh, like we gotta have more places like that but yeah it was it was really cool seeing so much art um and just like this like outpouring of creativity on the part of um the community all collected there kind of made me think of that when you were talking about that Kind of thing. I mean, any
1: way we can continue to commemorate, you know, this movement and continue to push at least the kids in the future yeah. to continue and just keep on just fucking doing this shit. Yep.
2: <laughs> Seriously.
0: Yep. So wow. Well, I mean. Great stuff, guys. I do hope. I mean, Emily and I have joked that there's going to be a movie about it. So one last thing before we go, Sneha, who's who's the actress who plays you? Because oh, yeah. I'm uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. I've already called it, and then he came out and did the Bernie his Bernie's cat endorse or his cat endorsing Bernie. Well, totally sick. fucking sick call on my behalf because boom, he yeah, ended up being a G. So he's playing me in the movie. Mm-hmm. Emily had a couple prospects she threw out. I don't know who if she's still on board with I any, think any of I'm them.
2: Settled on Aubrey Plaza.
0: Okay, Aubrey Plaza was the one I thought should be you. Okay. Um, Sneha, who's going to play you?
1: Scarlett Johansson. Tom. Oh, <laughs> boom.
0: Look at that. Look at the three hottie cast. Bold. Damn, that is so right lit. Right
1: Scarlett. <laughs> She's the perfect person to fit me. I mean, come on. I'm perfect. Asian, Indian, all sorts of mix. It can yep. all fit under her. Screams, so,
0: Next episode, we're going to come back and we're all going to have to be in character as the actors and actresses that we've just listed. So that's
2: basically just me, though. That's why I went with Aubrey Plaza.
0: <laughs> there you go. Your homework is very easy. It's like when Larry David was grilled about how his Bernie Sanders impression, yeah. quote unquote, doesn't really take a lot of work. And Larry David yeah. laughed and he said, you know, no, really, there's not a lot there.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, oh, I mean, like, I'd have does. to dial up the weird a little bit, but that's that's kind of just generally me. Like, I, w- I didn't even think of this until someone who knows me was like, oh, I just realized you have like big Aubrey Plaza energy. And I was like, oh, you're right. Actually.
0: <laughs> oh, well, this is Jake and Aubrey and Scarlett signing off for this episode of the Burn After Listening podcast. We're in a transitional time. We don't really know what's going on with the presidential primary. Uh, we know that Joe Biden doesn't really know what's going on around him. And it's we know that, that a lot of,
1: <laughs>
0: a lot of Americans don't really know what's going on around them in the big sense either. We've got this relief uh, package that's been successfully negotiated, and uh, it looks like an awful lot of socialism from the anti-socialist guy giving out checks to all the anti-socialist people. <laughs> Shit is weird, guys. Oh, it's so time
2: to be alive.
0: Thanks for tuning in to a very weird episode with myself and my two post-apocalyptic pals, uh, Emily and Sneha. Thanks so much again for joining. Um this is Steve signing off for Burn After Listening, and fuck, if there's still a world, we'll be reporting live from it again soon. Thanks, everybody. Take care of yourselves and each other. Good night. Ciao.
2: Harry
0: Truman, China, Johnny
1: Joe DiMaggio,